You're listening to Breaking Formation, a POMCAST, with your hosts Jordan and Aaron. We are two former NFL cheerleaders using our platform to connect the pro dance community and redefine the word cheerleader one episode at a time. Hi, Breaking Formation friends. This week, we interview Lindsay Rosenberg, who has quite the resume when it comes to the pro dance industry, starting back when she was in grade school, pretty much. And she is a person that Jordan and I have both been super lucky to work with pretty often through the Gold Rush and through E2K, the production company. And she is just a -a one-of-a-kind soul for sure, and we're very excited to have you guys listen to her interview. So she's also very accomplished, and Jordan is going to share a bit more about what is on her resume. Yeah, so Lindsay Rosenberg, she danced for the LA Clippers Spirit Dance Team for three years, where she was a co-captain for her third year. And in 2007, she was selected by the public to represent her team at the NBA All-Star Game. She started assisting for many pro teams at a young age for teams like the L.A. Laker Girls, San Diego Charger Girls, the Blazer Dancers, and the L.A. Clippers Spirit Dance Team before she was on the team. She also was a choreographer for the Pro Bowl Cheerleaders and is still choreographing for the Pro Bowl Halftime. She is a professional photographer and shoots for the San Francisco 49ers Gold Rush, Pro Action, and also other professional cheer and dance teams. She provides the most bookable headshots in the game, so give it up for Lindsay Rosenberg. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to Breaking Formation. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. There's no words to describe how excited we are to have you on here. Well, it's really good to be here, and it's good to see your faces, and I'm just happy I could talk to you guys. We want to just jump right into it. Um, Can you give us just kind of the highlight reel of your experience in the dance world and industry. I know you have so much on your resume and in your repertoire that's super impressive and just kind of give us like the main big things like that kind of got you to where you are today and things that I guess that you're most proud of as well. Well, this is (laughs) tough because I feel feel like a high... Doesn't have to be concise. It can be as yeah. long as you want. <laughs> Sorry, I two part series. I am not one yeah. to tell a quick <laughs> stories, so um, I'll try to make it as concise as possible. Jump in at any point. Um, but I started in the dance industry super early on. Uh, I like a lot of us started dancing as a little lady, uh, but I got into the industry a little bit younger because I'm born and raised in Orange County. So LA was a quick trip for me. And I started auditioning for commercials and stuff like that when I was really young and then uh, had some success there. Uh, And as I got older, I, well, actually let's rephrase that. when I was in high school, I joined the college, like the community college dance team because they needed another person. One of their girls got hurt. And so I was still in high school dancing for a college and 
um, the woman who was coaching the team, she asked me if I would help her with some hip hop choreography for the Laker girls. And that was like a very exciting moment. Yes. I'm just curious. Is that, is that Orange Coast College no, or which it was college? IVC, Irvine Valley College. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, and so I started helping her out with choreography and with that, she would take me to rehearsals for the Laker girls and my parents were giant Laker fans. So that was super fun. And it was kind of cool to like flex that a little bit in high school. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, so we ended up doing a little bit more than just Lakers together. We went on and did uh, Portland Trailblazers. We did San Diego Charger Girls. And we did the Los Angeles Clippers Spirit. Um, when I was teaching or assisting uh, choreography for the Clippers, I loved their style. I thought they were really awesome. Um, they just had something different. It felt like relatable to me at the time. So I always kept that in the back of my mind of something that I might do, but I was very much into the dance industry at the time. And now I had graduated from high school and I was commuting back and forth from Orange County to LA. And kind of now that I was 18, I was able to take myself to auditions. And so I started booking more work as a dancer and uh, in the industry, just doing music videos and award shows, stuff like that. What kind of, was there any major music videos or anything that you could name drop? Um, I mean, I could name drop a few. I don't know if they're major, but I did my very, very first job. I actually booked while I was 17, but then the filming would be when I was 18. So I just turned 18 and it was, uh, it was a video for an artist named Bilal, but it was featuring Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre and most deaf. Oh, and cool. that, that was nice. a crazy experience. It was my first time being on a music video set as an 18 year old. And I had my own trailer and it was just like a very, <laughs> I was with a lot of like big video vixens and that I don't know if you guys ever even heard of the book Video Vixen, but it's like <laughs> this, it kind of captures this period of time where the, there was these like very famous video girls. And so to be with them and see them watching them when I was growing up and then being on a set with them, it was terrifying. Yeah. And um, they, they didn't take to me very nicely. But, oh, no. but it, it took a minute and I was clearly a baby on that set. So that was my first experience on a music video set. And That's I awesome. really wasn't a lot of music videos that you go in for for casting rather than an audition. There's a difference between going to a casting and, a, and an audition. And with an audition, it's like kind of like how you would audition for Gold Rush. There's a million people there and you're learning a routine and then there's castings and those are a little bit smaller and you just kind of like, 
that's usually where they like they request you, right? Yeah, your headshot kind of gets you in the door first, yeah. and then you follow up. Um, but you go in and you slate, and then they give you a scenario, and then you have to dance by yourself, <laughs> and it's super awkward. But so, but basically, a lot of videos that are like party scenes or that where there's no choreography really needed, those are felt just cast girls like that. So, yeah. you know, I just like bounced around a room a little bit and got the job. The rest was history. Yeah, now, now look at yes. this. Um, <laughs> yes. But I did like Baja Men videos. Um, I did Akon. Um, oh, so cool. Think who else? Oh, a, a band called S Club. I don't know if you remember them. But, oh my God, S Club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would have totally to hear it. <laughs> they had a, they were like a British uh, pop group, like okay, co-ed cool. pop group, and then they had a TV show. I think okay. it might have been on the Disney Channel. I don't really remember, but uh, yeah. So S Club, uh, who else? My Chemical Romance. Uh, oh. oh, yeah. So I was very very much like into that scene and trying to be taken seriously as a hip hop dancer. Um, and, and I really wasn't thinking that a team was like where I wanted to be or where I saw myself going, but I ended up, um, I was transferring schools at the time and I had about a year off and I thought, Hmm, this would be cool to have like a steady job. I don't have school right now. I might as well try out for a team. So I ended up trying out for the Clippers. I did not make the Clippers. <laughs> um, I didn't make it the first time. I swear in my gut that I made it. It felt like I, I felt, I knew I was going to make that team. There was like every ounce of my body said that I made it and I didn't. Yeah. Did you make it like all the way through to finals and everything? And yeah, made it to finals. And again, and you guys have talked about this, but auditioning for a pro team is a different world. It, I have spent my whole life auditioning for things and I never cared about the outcome. Obviously, right. like you want it and you're like, this would be cool. But then like you don't get it and you're like, whatever, on to the next thing. But with yeah. pro teams, it is different and I have no idea why but I do remember the further you got the more that you wanted it the more that you felt connected to it and met people and saw yourself on this team and felt like this this is this would be really fun you got like a little glimpse of it yeah and then I didn't get it and mm -hmm. I was just heartbroken and because I didn't get that um, I knew that I really wanted to do it. And I never like knew about the sports world. I like only from going in and teaching the girls, but like, I never really cared about sports. And, um, one of the jobs that I booked as just a professional dancer, my first sports job was a halftime show for the Super Bowl. And when, when you're performing at the Super Bowl, it goes by like that it's the fastest thing i have no memory of it but i loved it and i i was just like sports this is great 
Yeah, and I mean, what a platform to just be yeah. introduced Ronan to, like, right, right, right out the gate, you're like, okay, yeah, like, top dog, like, biggest, like, televised event of Absolutely. the year. And just... as a kid, like, that Super Bowl, I mean, I think to any dancer, Super Bowl's a, it's like a bucket item list yeah. it's a bucket list totally. item <laughs> it's a bucket <laughs> item um, <laughs> so that was so amazing and so awesome and kind of just seeing i i mean obviously it's bigger than all of the other sporting events but just seeing sports like that was like so incredible and i didn't think that my whole life would revolve around sports after that um but to move forward, I, when I didn't make the team, um, I still was very, I, I remember when the director, cause back then the director would call you individually to tell you if you made it or not. So this was like in 1847, they would pick up the phone and they would call <laughs> you and they would say, have the operator on the line. Definitely had a cord on the phone. Can to my ear. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a bird yeah. came and delivered the message it has to be tough though to be the director and have to make that call you have to individually call people to your finalists and sit there while you say you didn't make the team and whatever reaction happens you have Gosh. to deal with it wild <laughs> when the internet rolled around that really, that changed, really the- changed the game, changed the game. Yes. So when she called me, she was very sweet. She told me that I just, the numbers weren't there and that I was very close. She wanted me to audition the next year. And she also said that she really enjoyed working with me. She liked me and, you know, she'll keep me in mind if anything were to come up uh, in between auditions and then. Seasons, yeah. So it turned out that probably, I guess that was a summer audition. And around October, she called me one morning and said, Hey, uh, do you want to, is there any chance that you'd be able to join the Pro Bowl cheerleader choreography team? And I didn't even know what Pro Bowl was. So, because <clears throat> I, again, I wasn't even a football person. I was just basketball in yeah. if there was a sport that I knew basketball was it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Pro Bowl cheerleaders. Awesome. I'll do it. When? And she was like, in a half an hour. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Uh, They just so happened to be, they would do the choreography weekend in Orange County. And she knew that I live there and I wasn't affiliated with any other team. So I was a good person to bring on board. And also I knew a lot of the different choreographers that were doing it because I kind of have already been in this world a little bit. John Peters, Amy Edmondson, Ron Kellum, like all of the greats. But yeah. one of their, uh, one of the women that was working or was flying down to do the choreography got sick and she couldn't oh. come. Turns out that that person was Aaron. And Aaron and I didn't know each other yet, but um, <sighs> I took the place of Aaron for that year. And to wow. thank me, they said, uh, we'd love to invite you to perform in the halftime show 
at the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. And I was like, cool. That sounds great. I'll yeah. Go to Hawaii. yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so on one side of the story, that ended up kind of building my relationship with E2K. They invited me back every year. And I wanted to mention, because I think we've in a, the past couple episodes, we've mentioned E2K, but I feel like those that don't have any clue what E2K is, maybe you could explain to them. Yeah, I'll try to do the best I can. And by that, just giving amazing justice to the company. But E2K is a, <laughs> is a production company. It was founded uh, by the Olmsteads, Michael Olmsted, who uh, his family started USA camps. So United Spirit Association. Um, and Michael turned E2K into a production company that kind of goes outside of the um, camp world. And way back when they owned um, the entertainment entities of different sports teams. So Gold Rush, I think they started, they had Broncos for a while. They did, they had Clippers, Chargers. Um, I'm missing. I think there's another. Was it Kings? Sacramento? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. So I feel like another NBA team, I'm definitely selling them short, but with that, they kind of had their hand in a lot of dance teams and halftime shows. And they just worked hand in hand with the NFL as the world progressed, they became busier and busier and the teams, the separate teams took over. So when I was on Clippers, E2K did not own them anymore. But that is why there's so many ties to different teams and E2K. Um, But now in life, as, as the world has progressed, they have become so busy that they had to drop a lot of these other teams uh, in order to evolve with where their company is going. And uh, just with the NFL, they do a lot of production when the NFL needs more hands on deck. So those bigger televised uh, events where all the NFL is working on one game or they're split up with a few games, such as like Thanksgiving games. Um, we, we usually do the Detroit Lions Thanksgiving halftime show, uh, Pro Bowl halftime show, we do the international games, so London and Mexico City. Um, the championship games, we'll split up a couple teams to uh, do those. We go straight into Pro Bowl from there. And then they do um, some stuff with Super Bowl as well. So basically what that means is anything from organizing the cheerleaders at Pro Bowl, Super Bowl, international games, their transportation, their security, their appearance schedules. They're kind of the glue that holds together the team that's traveling, the cheerleading team that's traveling and the NFL. So they're like that connecting piece. They do so much more than that. They now I I, I know both of you know firsthand, but <laughs> working with Nat Geo and Wall Street Journal and they they do so, so, so many things that we don't even know about. But yeah. um as the, I mean, that company is made on the backbone of professional cheerleaders 
And I think it's E2K is part of the reason why like my mentality has never been that cheerleaders are less than and or that women don't have a place in the professional world because E2K is like 84% women. And that actually up until recently, like I can say that I've worked with mostly women and all these women have had some kind of professional cheerleading or dance team background and they're the most incredible humans ever. But to kind of back that up a little bit, Aaron at the time was the director of Gold Rush and now is the president of E2K. Um, But I took her spot for Pro Bowl cheerleading and they kept having me come back every year. And as they had me come back, they gave me more responsibility. So all of a sudden I went from just dancing in halftime shows to holding auditions in LA and casting the halftime shows. Um, And that eventually turned into assisting choreography and then taking over the choreography myself, uh, which was an awesome transition for me just to have like this once a year choreography gig where I had a major artist under my, it was just really as a professional dancer in the industry that just gave me a nice, I had a nice well-rounded resume because I had all these artists that I could say I choreographed for. I'm curious with um, the team of choreographers for Pro Bowl, was that also E2K arranging that or was that? Yeah, that's through E2K as well. So E2K does all the choreography for PBC every year. Um, And yeah, it used to be like a whole weekend event and everybody would fly in from all over the place. And yeah, we would have just like a two day shoot of choreography. Very nice. And then, so I know, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that the person that you kind of filled in for was Aaron and like, it's just kind of like serendipity, right? Is that what it's called? It's total like chance type of thing. Um, But I do know that she has just kind of been like a mentor Mm -hmm. for you. And I'm curious as to how that relationship was fostered and like where that kind of started. So if we, well, so Aaron and I around that time worked together, but never met each other. So, you know, she was doing stuff with Pro Bowl and I was at Pro Bowl. I never met her. I probably heard her on uh, a headset, a radio, but I never even met her and we never really knew each other. Um, When I was on, so to kind of back up a little bit, after after that year where I didn't make Clippers, but still was referred by the director of Clippers, I re-auditioned for Clippers and I made it and I had three great seasons. Um, after I was done with Clippers, I'm trying to really remember specifics. Um, Aaron needed help with a calendar shoot one year. And she called John Peters, um, who was a choreographer that you guys know well. Uh, but John Peters is uh, has been in the professional dance and cheer industry for, I don't know, a billion years. Not to 
not to say that he's old, but like this is just his jam. He was Huddle's the mascot for the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah, he's like a, he's an OG human in this world and really has done a lot for this world. But I just so happened to be editing a video for his mom's 80th birthday at the time. (laughs) And so him and I were talking on the phone a lot and going back and forth. And uh, I guess Aaron called him and said, do you have anybody, can you recommend anybody that would be good for this? And he's like, actually, I think Lindsay would be great at this. And so she took a chance and we didn't even know each other and we were going to have to share a room and spend the whole week together. And <laughs> uh, we worked really, really well together. We had so much fun. And I think that week we became extremely close. And Aaron, Aaron had my back when I didn't realize that she did. And she fought for me when I was younger. And I always felt like that she saw me work hard and she fought for my hard work and trusted me as a human. And for that, I was so grateful for that I ended up just being like her, her right hand man. I would, she would call me and ask to brainstorm ideas for halftime shows or for whatever she needed to pitch to any organization or company and I would just like be ready to be there and give her ideas and kind of just assist her with anything that she needed and we became teammates in a sense and she started bringing me in for everything with Gold Rush 2 and she was the one that kind of you know i I don't think I would have gone after being a choreographer for these halftime shows, but she looked at me and she's like, you could do this. Or for me to assist her on a calendar and pretty much the next year, she's like, do you want to shoot the calendar? And I, I, I turned her down so many times for the calendar, but she always had this blind confidence in me. And she always pushed me to challenge myself and give me like, I guess, permission to feel like I was capable of doing more. And she's just one of those people that I am so grateful to have met and be so close with. And she's just such a, she's an incredible person. And I've been really lucky with my mentors in in my life. I've had two that I can think of off the bat. I could probably say a handful of mentors that like guided me and trusted me. And I feel like I owe them everything. And Aaron's definitely one of them. Well, and I think that E2K and Aaron definitely see the potential in people before they even see it in themselves. And I think that they're so great about that. Like, you know, just, you know, being on Gold Rush for five years and seeing the girls that they select it's like they have this way of like like they just like see the good in people even if maybe they don't see it in themselves and yeah like see the potential in them so it's also crazy I think it's this gift that directors have because I would even say being on the other side of where you guys have been at auditions I can remember both of you auditioning I remember this it's like 
they have this way of seeing a spark in somebody that you know, yeah, a sparkle. And you know that that person is going to be great on the team and they're rarely wrong. And the times they're wrong, it's like, all right, well, you know, every once in a while you get, you can get a bad seed on a team, but I think that's what makes directors so amazing because they see like you don't even have to dance you can see it yeah you just all of a sudden are like that girl yes and I feel like sometimes it really does take that person that you admire or even just like look up to like for their you know all their accomplishments and things that they've done and you know the power that they hold and not like a scary way but in like a wow I want to be them way it, it takes that person kind of believing in you sometimes to get you to believe in yourself and your abilities, right? It's like, well, dang, like, they think I can do it. And they, like, trust me with all of this responsibility and, like, this huge platform and see all this potential in me. So I need to kind of not only live up to that, but maybe also start believing that I can do it myself. And to be honest, Lindsay, like, I feel like, I don't know if it was like my first year, like I think you were just really kind. I mean, you're always super kind to everyone that kind of encounters you and, you know, does the photo shoot at the um, the finals week. And I just feel like you were definitely one of those people for me, like just I always felt like you were kind of in my corner, you know, like and you were always kind of rooting for me. And it that was extremely like motivating. And just because like I knew how much like you I don't know. It, it was just like kind of this this weird this thing, and like it, I don't know if it's like a connection thing or I, I don't know. I just totally felt it. No, you so. you are right. Like the so <laughs> also I don't know how much anybody would know this, but I do shoot the I judge and shoot Gold Rush's auditions. I do a lot of photography for Gold Rush, which is how we met. Um, but at finals, especially, yeah, those connections are, are totally real that like, I, I can remember both your auditions and I remember you just look at somebody and you, you can see their potential and you can, you can see even from a time where you don't make the team and then you make it that especially is a a big step because for if you make it to finals in an audition and you don't make the team anybody who makes it to finals has the potential to be on the team mm-hmm. and if you don't make it and then we see you the next year and you have improved anything that like maybe was a reason why you didn't make the team or even if you don't know that reason that improvement shows your dedication and when you come back after not making a team and you have improved and you look the part and it's like you could tell you're like you've been waiting for this audition all year that's the kind of member you want on your team so you really do root for people that you saw and you you knew that they had that potential. It was just in the numbers that they didn't Mm -hmm. end up making the team. Um, But there's just, 
there's certain people that just kind of you connect with and it's it's weird it's i can't really explain it but i think especially once i i started as a judge and then i aaron asked me to start shooting and judging and with shooting i get to look at you guys a lot more in depth than you think like i'm just watching people and i'm watching their interactions and seeing how sweet they are with other people and you start to for me i start to get attached <laughs> to people yeah. and so when when we're at finals and we get our moment together to shoot those photos that will be used for the announcement of the team it's like my my time to be like I'm pretending to fix your hair, but I'm going to tell you how proud I am of you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Totally. Because like, I just want you to know, like, we're, we're on your team. Like nobody with auditions, nobody's wanting you to fail. Everybody wants you to succeed. They want you to make the team. And it's kind of like, yeah, you want, you want to just tell the person like you're doing great. Um, but yeah. So I have a very distinct memory of you, Lindsay, at uh -oh. my first year auditioning. So it was 2015 and it was at Stanford. So that's the year they, I think they had held auditions at Stanford a couple years, but mm -hmm. that was the last year. And that was my first year auditioning. And I remember I had just, I think we had all just gone down to warm up and I was standing at like the corner of the basketball court. It's a very vivid memory, and I don't know why it stuck with me, but, like, I have, like, always remembered this, so I feel like I need to share. And I remember you walked in from, like, the other side, and I think you were walking with Dom Kelly, who okay. later came to choreograph the next season. But I, like, I had no idea who you guys were at this point, but I remember you walked in, and I hope this doesn't sound creepy, but I even remember, like, what you were wearing. I'm pretty was I sure wearing had flowered pants? Yes! <gasps> yes. oh my and a blue peacoat and heels yes and like i think you even oh. had like, on like a white top like I a did. like a white button up top that is so creepy but i it's love just, that outfit you, so much i did you know what yeah. i think I, that's why i remember it so much too because i was like wow, that's, stuck. that's a it's cute stuck. outfit i feel like was i strutting because i was feeling so myself <laughs> <laughs> so that's the next part of my story you had your camera like on your shoulder and you were like walking diagonally so I was on like the other corner and I just remember like looking at you and I was like oh like she's legit like she <laughs> I don't know who she is but she is she's important well you weren't wrong well, yeah and also we'll just tell you what a good outfit will do <laughs> I was just like, yeah, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not sharing this, you know, to be a kiss ass, but like they, this was like genuinely a memory that I have that like I will always remember. And it's like at that point I was so new, I was 21 auditioning. I had never even, you know, auditioned for a pro team. I had never been around so many talented and beautiful women that you know it's just it's another world you enter into. And then, and then I stood out. <laughs> yes and little did I know like that was only the beginning of not only meeting but like being surrounded by people like you and I, I remember thinking like okay like wow she's like a, a team photographer or something you know and then I remember auditioning and doing my dance and I was like and she's a judge like she must be like 
she's important. I know I can tell. So I had to share that because I just have always remembered that. That is really funny. And I love that story. And I love how hard I was probably strutting. No, you were. And I think that's another thing too. You had so much confidence and you were like, just like walking in the room, like, I'm sure I'm not the only one who probably remembers that moment. <laughs> that is really funny. Um, yeah, I remember that year. Were you in purple? Pink. Pink. Close, yeah. But but I guess that kind of brings us into, you know, your experience judging auditions. Um, so maybe you can touch on that a little bit and yeah. maybe share what you look for as a judge. And I know we kind of talked about that a little bit with E2K, but your perspective? Well, being somebody who has been on a pro team and really hated auditions, like I, the day after team was announced, I think I dreaded the next year's audition already. Um, I've never loved an audition so much than being on the judge side. And a part of me feels like I, would have loved to be able to judge a team and then audition for a team just to see if I would do anything different. Because what is important to us sometimes is not even on your guys' radar. It's, there's so much pressure on you when you're auditioning and all pressure that you're putting on yourself. Um, But from the moment you walk in the door at registration, warming up, all the things that no, you don't think anybody's seeing you, we're all watching and we're all talking. And like those moments are super, super important. There are times where somebody will come from registration and be like, number blabbity blabbity blue was so sweet. She helped out this girl who came late and taught her whatever. And those little things are qualities that we can't see from you dancing that we want to know about again like when you're auditioning every judge up there wants you to kill it nobody's waiting for you to fail uh and even it's really not about a, a so for like preliminary it's it's not really about dancing it's about performing it's about being a human it's about you learning or you improving from one from the first cut to the next cut um even sometimes i think the luckiest ones are the ones who mess up and save themselves beautifully Mm -hmm. nobody's thinking that you're going to perfect and perform perfectly a routine But when you mess up and you bring yourself out of that without looking like you're going to cry, you get so much more praise from the judges. Yeah. Um, And you guys probably walk away like your life is over where (laughs) we are like, oh, my God, that whole group messed up. But that one girl was able to freestyle or not get distracted or keep dancing. Sometimes, you know, at, 
at the preliminary auditions too, you don't know what kind of dancer is showing up. It could be somebody who's never danced before and just wants the opportunity to be there or wants to see what it's like or just thinks that I could probably do this. And they don't realize how much training that everybody in the room has. And sometimes you're in a place where that affects the person dancing next to them because you've got somebody who has no idea what they're doing out of the corner of your eye and it messes you up and then you lose it. You lose everything. And to not show that and to just be like, yep, the person next to me is a mess, but I got this and I'm just going to keep doing whatever I'm doing, even if it's nothing. Your judges are like, oh, I would have died out there. So congratulations. Yeah. Well, that's so hard. because It's like you feed off the energy around you, right? Especially if you're in the middle. And if they're, yeah, if they're middle yeah. front and you're two back, it's, you psych yourself out so hard. Yeah. And as a returner, that's the scariest part. As a rookie, you've got really nothing on the line. As your second year, you've you've got this entire, like, I want this now. And the second year audition, I think, is probably the hardest. And you can see it on second year uh, people. But I think... Agreed. I feel like I definitely felt that. I don't know about you, Jordan. Yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. Those, I think my everyone photos, feels it. My photos from that year, my smile is like... You're like just so stressed. Oh, like, gosh, that was not, <laughs> not a good year. <laughs> but yes, uh, yes. Yeah. I know what you mean. But it is the worst. It is That is the worst. <laughs> and it's the hardest. Um, but I also think that the best thing you can do as a rookie coming in and obviously like it's how hard you want it. Um, there's a few things that matter. And those prep classes that are offered before auditions are super important. Oh, yeah. Pre-registration with a good headshot. Oof. I tell my clients this all the time. If you have a good headshot and you're doing pre-registration, it is the biggest safety net you can get. And here's why. You're looking through this book of all these girls with all their headshots. Most of them are not great. They're not professional. They're not done well. They're almost there. Or, you know, if you have like a professional graduation college shot, that usually goes a long way because we like a degree. <laughs> but <clears throat> if you just have like, a selfie or a photo that doesn't really look like you or it's old or your hair doesn't, it's not, you're not the same. You need to get headshots that will wow the judges before they even see you. Because what happens is, is we sit there and we look at those photos and we're like, Ooh, who's that? We get so excited yeah. about this person. Now, most of the time, you see that person and you're like, uh-oh, I don't think they can dance. And then you're really excited about them. And this is not based off the photo. Let me rewind. This is when you see like a <laughs> bombshell walk in and you're like, ooh, she's perfect for this. We love her. I, like if she can dance, yay. And then sometimes they can and sometimes they can't. 
But if you have like a great photo and you can dance, it's like we're so excited about this photo and who this person is. And she takes those like first five steps forward like she's already been on the team. It, if you messed up the rest of the dance, we would still be like, yeah. <laughs> because you're proving that you can dance, plus your photo is going to carry a lot of your weight. We do use those original headshots when we are, we're looking, we're looking at those headshots more than we can see, more than we're getting the chance to look at you. So it's just a very nice safety net to have a good shot that represents you really nicely um, and doesn't give anybody any room to make judgment upon you. You want you want like a classic girl next door vibe where your, you know, guys will think you're beautiful and women will want to be you. You just kind of, you just want like, you know, you don't want to, depending on what team you're on, you do your research with what team you're going after because each team kind of has these different standards of what they want their headshots to look like. And a lot of them will put out in advance, like, here's what we want you to wear in the headshot. This is what we need from you. But if it's just like, we want to see your photo, take the time to get a good photo because it does really matter. Um, It will fight for you. And to me, that's, that's one of my biggest things pre-auditions is a good photo well and for anyone wanting to you know audition for maybe gold rush or i know you work with a lot of different Mm -hmm. teams too so you know it's like if you want to be on the team think like you're already on the team and what better way to do it than maybe shoot with you or you know get your makeup done by one of the team makeup artists like do your research your research. Your research. Yeah. Yeah. Take the necessary steps. Um, can you break down for us, Lindsay, what kind of separates a good headshot from a great headshot? Like, do you have like three things that you would recommend, like without giving away like photographer secrets, <laughs> but like what are like the main things? <laughs> oh, that's that's tough because I think uh I I think getting your makeup done for a headshot, getting a headshot and getting a photographer that knows the industry you're in. Try not to go for somebody who is recommended by somebody because they do stuff with something that's not in your world. You, you do, you want it to look Mm -hmm. competitive to what the girls already have. Um, or what the team already has without the uniform. And so I think especially makeup, makeup is so important. And people think that they can do their own makeup, but in photos, it's a it's a different ball game. And if you can find somebody who understands professional photography in in a studio, then find them. Makeup to me makes all the difference, especially like for track them down. Track them down. Hire them. They will take the work. With social media, with social media these days, the teams tag their makeup artists. They tag their hair. It's at your fingertips. It's at your fingertips. And they are, I'm sure, like going to take any, like you said, any type of work that they can. So also like. And it's an awful person you're meeting that's already in the circle. That's what I was just about to say. 
-hmm. Network. You get to network and you get to kind of be in a place where you're, I always think it's so smart when a lot of people will fly to me and get headshots and sometimes I'm surprised, but then I'm like, good for you for spending the money to be in a situation where we can have a one-on-one because I'm only going to walk away and be like, this girl's awesome. She's so well spoken. (laughs) She knows you're telling me about your life, your business, your what you do for a living, where you went to college, like we're already doing an interview and Mm -hmm. you're putting, but with like way less pressure, no pressure at all. And you get photos and you get photos and you can pick my brain. There's been times where girls have brought stuff like, okay, if I make it to interviews, is this good to wear? Like we're not even, now we're not even talking pictures. Like we're now just like, Ooh, I like that better than that. And this director really appreciates like good style. So you should do this and you know, yeah. which Mm -hmm. I think the more you can hustle like that, the better. And it's smart. It's a smart move. And even girls will come to me and kind of be in a place where they're not sure which team they want to audition for. And we'll kind of talk through that and send them in the right direction um, based off of like who they are as a dancer and what that life's like. So you can absolutely, I think when you're wanting to be on a team and you have access to find out who these people are, yeah, going to like a hair salon that does the team is going to benefit you a lot. Getting your makeup done by somebody who's done the team's makeup yeah, kind of you're golden and they can give you tips for how you mm-hmm. should do it day of auditions and, yeah. and help you out a little bit and guide you in that way. And then you're just getting consultations all over the place. Yeah. But if you can't be in a place where you can find these people or you can't really make this happen, um, Start looking around at what professional headshots are and even looking at what the team does and bringing that to a photographer being like, this is what I'm going for. This is what I need. Um, And just kind of know the brand too. Like you need to know which team you're auditioning for. And I find that a lot of my clients now will come with like a couple teams in mind and have different outfits picked out for like this is more Lakers and this is more uh Eagles and I'm going out for both of these teams okay cool yeah you did your research you know that Lakers is going to be way more traditional and Eagles is going to be a little bit open to like what you want to wear and expressing yourself as the dancer you are so um I always think it's good to take two different styles of shots if you're not sure And one of those should be like a girl next door, all American, very friendly, nice, approachable. And one of them could be a little bit more glammed up, sexy, a little bit more who you are as a dancer, but more of a dance shot versus a commercial shot, um, just to kind of show your range. And you can always print those out together. So then you're kind of sneaking into photos if that is allowed. Right. And you're giving them two options to be like I could do both exactly and yeah, yeah I I don't think there was I don't think there was one year where I only submitted one photo I'm gonna be honest I think it's smart <laughs> and here's the thing. they will print yeah. out the one 
they like. That they like. And to be honest, yeah. there was yeah. one year where a girl tried out for Gold Rush who had shot with me the year prior. And I saw the photo she submitted and I was like, ooh, mm-mm. And I pulled people aside and I was like, here's another photo of this girl. Can we, is this one representing her better for this team? And they were like, yes, this is actually, this is the look that we would rather her have because it's, it looks like what she looks like now. Her photo was just a little, it, it just didn't really look like her. Um, mm. And it was a little too glam for what Gold Rush was. And we swapped out those yeah. photos, which is great. Like advantage that girl. Yeah. <laughs> and there you go. Another having a connection. Having a your connection. Network. Yeah. You had her back. And yeah. And like I yeah. I was rooting for her. I really liked her. And yeah. I just didn't feel like her photo was like nobody knew her. And I feel like oh, I have I have a a more relatable version of her for Gold Rush. So we threw that in. Yeah. And she made it. Nice. Love that. Nice. Have you ever judged for teams other than Gold Rush? Yes, I have judged for Chargers. Oh, so how was that process different or if it was different at all? Was Were they owned by E2K at that point? I feel like it might have been. Oh, I, it might have been the last year that they were. It was their first year as L.A., so okay. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, no, actually, yeah, it's, I'm going to say it was when E2K still the, probably their last year with the Chargers because mm-hmm. Aaron was also there. Okay. Um, it's very similar. Uh, and I don't know if that's just because of E2K, but it, it is on the judges side. It's, it's very similar. They do, they do things a tiny bit different. Um, and I know like with NBA also they do things different than the way that um, NFL does it. A lot of times with NBA, they have an across the floor section first. Do you guys do across the floor? Or you go straight no, into No, but at the prep class, they'll have you do across mm-hmm. the floor. And I mean, obviously it's not judged, but once again, another way of like showing what you can do by going to those prep classes and kind of, you know, absolutely getting your foot in the door. Prep classes are so important. Go to them, please go to prep classes. They will tell you exactly what you need to do for auditions. You will feel so much more comfortable being taught by the person who's probably teaching your audition. It's, it's so worth it. And you just get a better understanding for how your audition day is going to go. And as a rookie, like that's going into a rookie year. I think prep classes are all the rage. Go to them. Um, I do remember I did, I shot Rams audition. Um, their prelims. They do an, I think they do an across the floor. Yeah, they do. And that's your first audition. So you're literally just kicking and leaping and turning. And then when you are done, somebody will come up to you and say, thank you very much, or please stay. Um, Yeah, sometimes with teams and across the floor, they'll give you a ticket. And the ticket is like, you know, like a little raffle ticket. That's for you to stay. Um, 
But so, you know, by the time you're done, you know, if you're in or out for the rest of the day, pretty much. Okay. You don't have to like wait around for everybody. I remember at one point I, I heard John Peters because John Peters had a hand in coaching Rams at some yeah, point, right? I don't know if he's still he's their uh, choreographer. Okay, nice. I remember him saying uh, when while he was choreographing for us one year, he was like, I can tell if a girl has what it takes for the team by her jazz walk. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm never auditioning for Rams because depending on the day, like my jazz walk, like it's there's such there's such a broad range. Like I, I'm like that 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 made me so no, nervous. I'm like, I don't know. That, that's exactly what I'm talking about with that. The, you guys do it, too, but you just do you pretty much do like a walk, 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 walk forward to start your routine. Right. Right. Sometimes yeah, those right. walks will tell you everything. <laughs> the sparkle. Yeah. It is the sparkle. It, it is the sparkle. <laughs> and another thing I will say, it's how you present yourself. When you see a girl walking, like when you're a judge and somebody's looking past you, like there's a million people behind you, they're projecting so big that it's almost impossible not to watch them and those walks it's like you walking into the stanford basketball stadium <laughs> and your pico and your floral pants. pants oh that's my god you know how, yes. how, how many other jordans are there saying i remember this girl's walk but seriously no it's if you can sell it with a walk yeah you're golden you thought i was super important it goes the same way like those well, you are. walks <laughs> those walks show me like oh She's good. Like I she can she can handle this pressure. I think the difference between NFL and industry stuff or you know you're performing for 80,000 people. You're not performing for a tiny camera or just a jumbotron camera. Like you have to dance so big for so many people. And that is so special because not a lot of people get to do that, but also just learning how to project and dance for the people in the nosebleeds so they can see you. And if you can do that with a couple walks, you've already impressed me. I feel like you can get the rest. Like you can, you, you can, I know by your walks that you can dance. Yeah, and I think a lot of teams too. I mean, I can't. I guess I can't say a lot of teams, but from my experience, I feel like they're not even looking for the best dancer. I think they're looking for someone that they can shape. I mean, it's it's great if you are a great dancer, but someone that they can shape into their ideal, you know, teammate who can represent the team in a great way but then also perform beautifully too, you know, by the end of the season. You do get... By the time football season comes around. Absolutely. And you get girls who, honestly, from first round to second round, you see so much improvement that you are convinced at this point, like their improvement's just going to keep getting stronger and stronger. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you will hear a story that's like, I have never really danced, but I was like a gymnast or... 
you know, in the realm of performing, but just not yeah. a trained dancer. And those people are good assets to a team because they know how to train and they know how to learn quickly. And you do see a vast improvement. And then you have some people that are straight up performers. And when you're on an NFL team, there's up to 40 people on a team. You're not going to get 40 perfect, well-spoken, smart, educated humans. So sometimes dance will take a tiny backseat because that's the easiest thing to train. You could become a great dancer over time. And if you make it to your second season, you're a whole new person and your dance technique has gotten stronger and better. And you do feel that pressure. Like I need to keep up with these people. And I, so I have to train and go to dance class and kick my own butt into becoming the performer that they want me to be. And NBA ends up being a little bit different. You have 16, 18, maybe 22 people on a team. You perform with maybe 16, 12 to 18 on a court. You guys are in a or tinier arena, all eyes on you, lights are down. You are a dance team and you have to be a force together. Your community work and your appearances aren't a big, a huge priority. Your athleticism is. So it's a little bit different um, on both teams. You don't have to be as well-spoken. I think NFL has more standards because you guys are so involved with the fans in the community. Whereas NBA doesn't really like, there's not really a game. Every game you're not, there's 42 games. You're not always going to be walking around doing fan stuff. Like three girls at a time may go do a sweet visit, but I don't even know if that's the case anymore because a lot of NBA teams are dancing like one time a game now. So when you were on the Clippers, did you guys get to sit out on the court? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have a lot of good stories of being trampled yeah. by players. I bet. Yeah, I bet that was I, when they took that away. I was I was sad because no. that was a very fun time that we really had the best seats in the house. Yeah, um, and we were yeah, you're right there, and we were out there all four quarters. I think. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I remember. I was. I used to go to Warriors games with my dads and, you know, going for the cheerleaders was what I went to the games for, you know, yeah. when they took that away, it was like, well, I guess I have to watch the basketball game now. Yeah. I know. And it, it was just fun to get to know like your season ticket holders behind you and yeah. it kind of became your family and for a whole season, you're just like, Hey, what's up? Oh, who'd you bring with you this time? And you know, yeah. Yeah. Aww. It's a little bit more of a family. It's a little bit closer up. Yeah. So, okay, we're talking about auditioning and, you know, like prepping for that. So let's talk about like once you make a team Hmm. and once you're like a rookie, what would you suggest to someone who maybe has just made a team for their first time and they want to make it back for a second season. I think when you are a rookie on a team, observing is the best thing that you can do. I think you listen, you observe, you watch what's happening, whether that's interactions on your team or just observing how the team works or 
what happens during game day, what happens off the team, how, just what is happening on your team? Observe it, yeah. stay quiet, don't complain. Like yeah. you, you don't understand yet and you don't want to, it's your rookie year is such a blessing because you do get to be wowed by everything for the first time. And it's hard to, you know, you want to make friends and you want to be involved, but also just staying quiet, listening to your captains, observing how everybody works together is so important. It will make you a stronger dancer as well because mm -hmm. you're watching. You're not, you're not, uh, I just, there is like certain times where it's like your opinion is absolutely welcome, but not everything on a team is going to be fair and entitlement when you're, well, when you're on a team, entitlement is not great. It's the worst thing that you can do is to feel entitled. Not a good um, look. <laughs> it's not a good look. And I, I think what's tough about the pro world is all of a sudden everything becomes a tradition. If you did it last year, it's a tradition this year. And mm -hmm. that's not necessarily like this is how we do it every year. But <laughs> For a rookie, you get the blessing of not knowing what they did last year. And everybody's going to tell you, well, last year, this is how we did it. Or like, this is how we always do it. And knowing that like, you'll get your turn. But if you get involved and you think that things aren't fair, you need to know if you genuinely want to try out the next year if you want to be a part of it. And the only way you can know that is to watch and to kind of just watch and listen. It is your first year and you do see the mistake of somebody just getting too involved in drama or yeah, it takes away from your time on the team and you're never going to understand. I think the hardest thing about being on a team is trying to find your place on the team. Because you kind of... Oh, I was going to say, I think like by holding back and being kind of not holding like back who you are, but kind of just being that observer and letting it kind of happen and watching the process and really like soaking it in and taking it in, it allows you to find your natural place, yeah. right? It allows you to kind of fill in where you're like, okay, well, this is like what I have to offer now. And I mean, we we have said before, it's like you almost have two rookie seasons on yeah. a team because mm -hmm. your rookie season is just like so much stimulate stimulating things, like so much to take in. So like there's firsts. just like everything is just like so many firsts, like so many like amazing, like, you know, not surprises, but I guess just like what what were we saying? Just like things to be yeah. excited about. Yeah. And like new things. And, like I think is what you said. Yeah. Completely over overstimulating yeah um experience like in the best way but you're then like your second season it's like you have <laughs> yeah exactly like you have more of an idea of like where you fall and where like you can contribute and like what you can bring to the table and what's so. really cool about your rookie year too is you start to realize like 
it's it's so hard. You put a lot of pressure on yourself, and it also can feel isolating at times if you haven't really made your um, tight group. Um, that you know those those friendships take a minute to become what they are, and so sometimes it does feel like you're alone. But you can also find out what you need from a team, and then when you make it back for your second year, giving what you needed to a rookie makes you yeah. become a leader and those new people start looking at you as a place to go to and that just kind of ends up all of a sudden you're going to feel like oh i do have a place and if somebody was nice to you in a time of need you will look at them as a mentor and it just gets kind of passed down and the more like those kind of moments is what makes the team. It's pretty much what being on a team is. And if you're so overwhelmed with what's fair and like, why aren't I getting put on this appearance or why aren't I doing this? You're not understanding that your role hasn't been made on the team yet. And mm -hmm. once you identify who you are and what you give to the team, you start to let go of those feelings like you don't really belong there because that team that that mentality of being on a pro team you're constantly trying to prove yourself so you end up kind of not feeling like you deserve a spot on the team but once you can identify what you give to the team the team can't live without you it's made up of you and so i think it's very important to be as like your rookie year, give everything 110% and don't listen to the vets who may have been there for a very long time. And they're just almost at the point of exiting. Mm -hmm. Try not to get that kind of uh, negativity or not even negativity, just like don't be better than an appearance yeah. that you've never been on. Um mm -hmm. Try everything. Go on every appearance. See what makes you happy on the team. And eventually you create this place for yourself. And that kind of makes you undeniable for the next year. It's like, well, we can't like we she's an important part of this team. And the further you go with that, the more the time that you decide that you're ready to leave they're kind of looking for the new version of you. And like at auditions, they're like, oh, she's like a little Lindsay or she's like a little Jordan. Like they're looking for the next little you. Well, and it's actually, I have actually a couple of things that I, I wanted to say that, you know, follow up to what you're saying. I was talking to this girl who, who wants to audition for Gold Rush. And I was telling her, cause she was saying to me, this sounds like it's a little off topic, but it'll make sense. Yeah. But she was telling me, she was like, I'm 20 and I feel like I look like I'm 15. And I was telling her, I was like, I mean, you know, put on some makeup, you know, do your hair, make yourself feel confident. But you are like the next generation going into the pro dance world. And she's probably looking at me. I'm 26. I mean, I know I'm not old by any means but you know it's like those are the next generation going into the pro dance and you can't compare yourself and I was also going to say that looking back on my first year I think that 
naturally, I mean, Aaron's talked about it before. I just really like socializing with people. But I think that without even intentionally doing it, I made friendships with a lot of different people on the team. And like, I had like a bunch of people that I was super close with and we weren't all necessarily close together as like one big like friend group. But I created these friendships with different people and like had these different connections with people. And I feel like I was actually thinking about this. Was it today or yesterday? I'm not sure. But I was thinking, I was like, I feel like that was like the best way to have gone about my rookie season. And, you know, later through the years, I found my my people and maybe I was a little too close with them. <laughs> you know, my last season, like you were saying, you know, by the time you're, you're exiting. But we weren't clicky. Like we were never. Clicky. No, but we were like, just really close. And, you know, once yeah. in my fifth season at a back injury, you know, I was just kind of like, you know, I'm headed yeah. out the door. But <laughs> look, looking back on my first couple seasons, actually, I, I would like to think I think it was really important that I did that and it was unintentional, but for someone who is hoping to make a team, I think that that is like, and what it's, you know, what you're saying, it's really important to like stay out of the drama, create friendships, create relationships with a lot of different people because it just all just like works out beautifully that way. (laughs) It is a good point too, to really get, get yourself familiar with, don't try to look for and with NBA with the difference between NBA and NFL, the sizes of the team makes Lots a very better. big difference. So NBA it does get a little bit more tough because there's only so many people that you can be friends with and also all your personalities clicking. And if you're a rookie, yeah. maybe like one of two and people could be intimidated by you or you do, you may just think that they're like standoffish or they could be super welcoming. Uh, with NFL, it's tough because there's so many girls and it's very hard to make your way around the whole yeah. team. But if you could expand where you kind of all the friendships you make and try not to find like your click in a sense, I don't know a better word yeah. for it immediately. Yeah. It's it's so much better for you. I, I do remember like even Jordan, so Jordan and I have worked together outside of um, yeah. Gold Rush, where we'll work for E2K. And where where was the last place we worked together? Was it PBWC? Not this last season. But no, I've never done PBWC. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, it was Singularity, Singularity Summit, right? right? Yes. Okay. So Jordan will kind of assist me backstage right I guess yeah yeah yeah. well yeah I was the front of house manager anyways but we were yeah we were in the same room for four days Jordan was my right hand man where I would just have to (laughs) rely on her for everything and I was so impressed by everything you did because it's kind of like this is uh the first time you're doing it you're not really sure but you're staying quiet and you're hustling so much that I have full confidence that like anything I throw at you, you'll just mm-hmm. do. And not in a bad way, like you'll just do whatever I tell you to. But like <laughs> I need somebody hey, well, I'm looking up to you. I need somebody I could rely on. And that person is you. And this is your first time doing this job. And it is not an easy job. And it's a lot of running around. It's 
it's very, very hard. And I am a vet at this. And you're like, I've never been in this room in my life. But I have no doubt that because you're so quiet and you're watching everything and you're nice to everybody, that no matter what, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of how I feel about a rookie season. Be helpful. Watch everybody. Watch everything. Be nice. And just who cares what the rules have always been? Follow the rules. It's the job you signed up for. You want to enjoy every minute. Stop. Don't like fight against what has been in place. Yeah. So that sound, I feel like I sound like an asshole saying all this, but but I mean it with like the best intention. Being quiet can get you a lot and being nice. Well, it allows you to speak up in the future. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You just you, you have to yeah, hold back. You earn that, right? A- absolutely. Yeah. And like, and I think, I think it also like shows people that you are coming from like a place of wisdom and not a place of emotion, right? And just like pure, like, oh, well, I feel like this, right? So it's like, okay, like there's something to be said for a person speaking up, not necessarily out of turn and like they've clearly thought about it and they like what they have to say is something that they've been thinking about for a while so yeah yeah and this team is made up of like we rely on each other and so if you could just prove that you're somebody who's reliable it goes so far and you'll be given so much more if you just show up on time be reliable and try everything yeah yeah and make friends and be nice i am curious about a time where the word cheerleader has been something negative in your life so to be honest i think i always gave myself a negative connotation with the word cheerleader i think when if i look back at my life i Audition for a cheer when I was in high school because it was just another outlet of dancing. And I kind of felt the same way about Clippers. When I got onto Clippers, it was just like another way that I could have a steady dance job. When I was on Clippers, though, I think that started to shift a little bit. I remember my first year of Clippers just being like, I want to do this forever. Like, I loved it so much. (laughs) And I, like, fell in love with sports entertainment and saw a side uh, of the pro dance world that wasn't all dance and what it took to be on a team and all the hardship you go through. Um, And I remember really fighting against the word cheerleader. If I told somebody what I did and said I danced for the Clippers, they'd be like, oh, she's a Clippers cheerleader. And I was like, no, we dance for the Clippers. We're not cheerleaders. We don't have pom-poms. We're we're not screaming. We're not saying anything. I was always very defensive. Like, I am a dancer. Don't minimize me. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, <laughs> I felt the same way about being in the industry and especially – And I don't really know if this has changed. The world has changed where dance is seen as a profession now. But when I was doing it, you would tell somebody you were a dancer and they would just assume you were a stripper. And 
you know, you're always, if, if not one thing, it's another. And you're just trying to fight to prove yourself all the time. And when I was on my NBA team, I fought a lot against the word cheerleader. I started then working with NFL cheerleaders and realizing what they were capable of. And it felt a little harder in a sense for NFL because their entire makeup is basically trying to break stereotypes. So when you're going through these audition processes, processes, when you're going through the audition process, it's really advanced to this place where they want the smartest girl in the room. They want the doctor to be on the team because it just kind of blows the minds of the fans or the outdated term of cheerleader. NFL cheerleaders especially, they do have pom-poms. They look like cheerleaders. They're given assignments that are very cheerleader related. They also don't get to show off all their talent. You're kind of, you're subject to being with a song that may or may not play for a minute. And your captain has to scream what routine you're doing. That's bonkers to me to just be so off the cuff, but look so like it was scripted in. Um, you don't even get, you're in heels, in boots, on grass. You don't even get, I don't think anybody will understand that the, the talent that is in one NFL team. Whereas NBA, you also get to show off the massive amount of talent. You can leap in the air and fall to the floor. You don't have to worry about messing up grass that an important game is being played on. You get a rehearse on a court. You don't have to worry about messing up the grass <laughs> that a team is going to play on and them saying, no, 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 you can't practice here. You're going to mess up our grass and that could mess up our game. So it is very different. And a lot of ways it makes NFL so much harder to prove to everybody just how talented, how smart, how great. And on top of it, you have these labels that are kind of hunkering you down. And mm -hmm. I ended up, when I was in, I was on Clippers, I was going out for auditions and I was getting, role after role was just for another movie about a cheerleader or about cheerleading teams or another video with a group of cheerleaders. And I would get really annoyed because like, I wanted to show another side of me. Why do I keep getting typecast as a cheerleader? And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait. I think the world's trying to make me a cheerleader and I'll book way more if I just lean into it. Like what? what's this chip <laughs> on my shoulder that like I can't be in a movie being a cheerleader? Like if I could just book the movie, I'll get into SAG. I'll get paid way better and I'll get more jobs. And I said, all right, well, if the world's trying to make me a cheerleader, let's do it and see what happens. And I started working more in the cheer world. I started booking more as a cheerleader. And 
it just dawned on me how dancers and cheerleaders are literally the hardest workers and don't have any of the glory. There's, you're at an NFL level, you're dancing in the Super Bowl and nobody's saying your name. You're not going to be on the cover of a magazine. No hairstyle you have is going to be the hairstyle that people talk about. It's so crazy how the world doesn't see us at all, but it's very similar to being a woman. It's you're the person behind the guy that's doing the hard work, but you're working 10 times harder than all of these people with makeup and tiny clothing and talking to bigwigs of major corporations and trying to win their respect in five seconds before they judge you as just like a ditzy moron. Mm -hmm. Those things are challenging. They're frustrating. They are horrific, but they're also what makes you so incredible as a woman going into your next chapter of your life. The fact that when you are a professional football player, you start at like, you know, maybe age six, seven, I don't know. You're not in diapers, but you're old enough to understand what you're doing. And you continue to play and then you become a college athlete. And if you're lucky, you go on to the pros. And you don't, that's it. Like you play football. That's your job. We dance since we are two. We do it professionally our entire lives. We're competitive with it. We win awards. We're the best in our division. We continue on. We may go to college. We continue there. And then there's not really anywhere to go. So you're left with, oh, well, there's the NFL or the NBA. And that seems like a good way to be in the community and feel this sense of team. And you also have a job or you're a mom or you own a business or you're a doctor or like there's so many other things that you're doing, but you're doing all the appearances for the team. You're doing all of the upfront work. You are the face of your team. You are working with children in the community every weekend, not just like three times throughout the season because you have to, but you're constantly, you're in hospitals, you're going overseas to work with the troops. You are doing the hard work and kind of, in a sense, you're very lucky to be a part of a community where you could do so much for children and you can travel the world. But on the other hand, people treat you like you just jump around and that and smile and yeah. look pretty and there's so much more to it and um i think that kind of lit this fire inside of me that like f it like i'm proud to be a part of the cheerleading community and i will prove anybody wrong that speaks poorly <laughs> of cheerleaders but that was mostly just me 
speaking to my former self of doubting like what I could, my entire life has been based around cheerleaders. And if I didn't lean into that feeling, if I fought against it because I thought it wasn't as great as being a dancer, which there is no difference, um, I would be missing so much from my life and I would not be where I am now if I didn't learn what it was like to be a cheerleader. It was also like a huge distinction I would, you know, try and make in high school and in college. Like I think one of my captions on my photo in college where, you know, we had palms that match our uniform. I was like, not a cheerleader. And then, you know, the next post is like me on Gold Rush, like, <laughs> guess I'm a cheerleader now. And it's like, it is, it, it almost, it takes like kind of immersing yourself like in the room of, you know, these multifaceted individuals and seeing that like, it's not a negative thing. It's not, I don't know, it's not like a bad word. And like, I think it it's also plays into what we've talked about before on the show where as a society, like we've kind of just like blacklisted this word cheerleader and like made it to be this, you know, mean girl, ditzy, like very much small box thing. Yeah. And it's so much more than that. And I mean, another thing I love that we talked about with Aureli was like, we, we never focus on the leader part of the word cheerleader Ooh. and I think that's huge because I feel like each cheerleader that I know leads her her his or her life in such different and beautiful ways and I also feel like it as women it ties into the whole idea of I'm not like other girls right it's almost like a similar we're, we're like oppressing ourselves right by saying like oh I'm not a cheerleader but your cheer, even if you've never cheered in your life and you are a dancer to your core, these women are performers. These women like practice and have worked their whole lives like for this thing that they love, and they're receiving just as little credit for it pretty much as you are. And so, why do we have to put them down? Why can't we all come together? And I mean, I do feel like, especially recently within the last few years, like we have moved into more of a healthy mindset collectively and I don't know maybe I'm also just privileged to be on a team like Gold Rush that was so about pushing babe support babes like women supporting women like really just up front and just didn't stand for anything else so I think we I mean we just got to keep doing what we're doing here on breaking formation and having these conversations yeah. yeah and I think that that's why it's important I think it's a world that was kept so quiet to protect the women that were a part of it um, mm -hmm. it's almost like, you know, in the eighties, if <laughs> there was a lot of, I, I just remember even being on Clippers when social media was a just kind of coming on the scene. And I'm, I'm like talking MySpace, even Friendster. <laughs> what? You had eight photos that you were posting of yourself. That was the max. And there was no way to show your location anywhere. But like, it, they were so scared for us to be posting photos because it gave people access to find us. And that could be scary because we're not protected. Like, you're, you 
can be found. You do have crazy. There are people who are watching you and falling in love with you at these games and we don't know what they'll do. And so like every rule that is in the cheerleading community is to protect us. So the being on a pro team was this secret society and nobody really knew what it was like until you were on the team and nobody got to see anything. They definitely didn't see how hard he worked. They would just see a glimpse of you on ESPN, maybe. Like, nobody really, and you probably were just jumping up and down because you just scored. It. Nobody gets to see this world. And I think even watching the documentary Cheer on, you, uh, on Netflix, although it is not this industry, it's much different and wow. Uh, but that we've needed to praise them as well for centuries <laughs> because like we're finally yeah. seeing how hard they work and what they do and what they put their bodies through and that they're no different than the athletes that are playing on the field. They're extremely similar. Um, and now it is nice to be in a place where we're starting to talk more about what we do because we have a lot of people putting assumptions on us, whether they think that they're empowering us by saying we shouldn't objectify women, they should be more dressed. They don't realize that that's a, a hurtful thing to say to us. For other people to tell us what we should and shouldn't do is not great, even though they think they're being great. They're not being great. And it's part of that right. problem that I wouldn't walk up to a beach volleyball player and be like, you should not, like, I can't even concentrate on the sport that you're playing because you're in a bathing suit. <laughs> this is disgusting. Put on clothes. That would never happen. We respect yeah. a beach volleyball player and understand that their environment is why they wear what they wear. Nobody's objectifying them and they're considered athletes. So just because you're in a skirt, boots, and a full face of makeup doesn't make you in bathing suits. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, everybody's so concerned with what we're wearing and what we're doing. And we see ourselves as athletes. So it's very painful to hear somebody tell you that you're too sexy. I can't concentrate on anything else because <laughs> I just want to be like, you got some issues, bro. Put it away. But <laughs> you know, you get to a point where you're used to it. But also like, that's very common, even outside of this world to be a woman. And if you're wearing something in your office that people are like, I find that inappropriate. You're like, Oh, interesting. I'm not wearing anything inappropriate. But like, I'm being shamed for you thinking that I'm inappropriate. I don't know how to handle that as a woman. And the word cheerleader is the easiest way for people to take out their aggression on how they feel about women. And right. And that's what do I always say, Jordan? They're going to judge you regardless. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah this is Aaron. Wear what you want. <laughs> do what you and want. And I'm very much into exposing is not the right word, but I'm very much into like sharing our stories and finding out more about 
who these women are or who these men are now and what where they come from what they do how hard they work what they've contributed what they've achieved on their teams like there sometimes there aren't players that represent for pro bowl or all-star game but there's always the dancer or cheerleader that is there and they uh, that's a giant accomplishment as well and then it's not really recognized mm-hmm. right i think it also has to do with like i mean i i've touched on before just as a society what we value right it's it's like when are we going to get to a point where we value the arts as much as we value traditional sports because Mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is it takes just as much training and passion and dedication and hard work and all of the things that make a great athlete to make a great performer and artist so I I mean, we can say it all we want, but I don't know when when or what is going to change that. When you have a passion, you will you want to do it for as long as you can. And Mm -hmm. dance has been all of our passion since we were babies. And it's what makes us whole and it's what makes us happy. And when you can't do what you're happy, and I'm definitely learning this through quarantine, you don't feel like you're yourself and we've never lived without dance and it's sad that there's not in every city in the world it's like i was privileged enough to live in los angeles and i had many outlets i can still go on auditions if i want for commercials until i'm like 90. i don't have to stop dancing but when you come from a smaller city, this is kind of your only outlet to keep going. I had a very interesting conversation with a man when I was in London. He was Canadian and I was uh, in London for NFL. So we were talking about uh, the women on the teams and he was kind of just putting it down. He was like, I don't understand why they would do it. Also a thing that bothers me, like, this is your choice, how much you get paid, how much work you do. Like it has nothing to do with you. So I don't know why everybody asks us why we do things for a certain amount of money, or it's just like, I'm, I'm doing this because I love it. Granted the whole payment thing is we'll, we'll get to that with breaking formation, but Right. It needs to be a whole episode. At this point. <laughs> like trust, trust and believe. Like my dream is just to like fund all dance and cheer teams in all the leagues. That's if I, if I won the lottery, that's the first thing I would do. Um, <laughs> but he was talking about, he, he just didn't understand. And I was like, you're Canadian, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, so you probably played hockey. And he said, yeah. And I said, and you still play hockey and he like looked at me and I was like you're on a men's league I take it right like you haven't stopped playing hockey just because you're an adult and he's like yeah and I was like did you go pro with it he said no like I went to college and I was like would you go pro with it if you could and he was like yeah and I said do you expect a payment on your men's league like you You spend time away from your family, your friends, and everything you do after a long day of work three times a week to be on your men's league. 
I don't understand why you're giving these girls such a hard time for doing the same thing. And you're not even getting paid for your men's league. And nobody can come to your games. Nobody watches you on TV. And you're not the big hockey superstar you thought you were going to be when you were a child. Let these girls like live out the last times that they can be professional dancers without hounding them like it's their fault that they're not looked at better. It's a good comparison to how much love that we have for this. And I think that we can, I think we can do better. And I think that these types of shows, these types of podcasts are just exposing all of the greatness that lies behind every pro cheerleader and showing the world like how much more there is to just being on a team. And even if that's just welcoming people into the teams to understand what a bond and friendship is, I'll never know what it's like to be on a football team, but I could imagine But I could. Im- mm-hmm. And I can imagine because they constantly show us their camaraderie and what great teammates they are. And it just, it looks magical. And I think that people deserve to see that about this. So when are we getting a TV show? Any producers out there? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know who to call and contact? Hello? <laughs> yep, we got yeah. it. So, Lindsay, I know you said you've listened to some episodes. And we have our final question for you. How are you breaking formation? <laughs> I... Now, as in my second passion in my life, which is photography, um, I am breaking formation by actually showing the world uh, these women, these athletes, these teammates in a different light. I think that when I was, all of this stems from the fact that I was a part of a team, I searched for photos of myself. I wanted one kind of memory that I could take with me because photos are really hard to get uh, when you're on a mm-hmm. team. And it's really disappointing when the one photo that's out there is not great. And I don't just mean in a sense of you don't look pretty. I mean, in the sense of a photo can represent the technique and the <laughs> how good your team looks based off of what is published. And I have cringed to see post like a kick line from the side and of a team that's legs are all over the place or a flexed toe or just a mistake that somebody made that that photographer was like, that's beautiful, (laughs) but they don't know about dance. And that is, an awful representation of what they're capable of. And when I started shooting these pro athletes on these teams, I started being able to get content of these people looking like the superstars they are and not these kind of like outdated versions of who they are. And that's a tough thing for me to say because a sports photographer has one job that is to shoot the players while they're playing. And they are very, very good at that. But 
there's also this moment where they'll just be like, oh, here's something while nothing's happening. And they'll take a picture of uh, one of the cheerleaders doing something and it's it's not great, but it gets thrown into the bunch and it gets published. And that's not their job. They shouldn't be great at that. I would suck at shooting players because I have no idea what they're doing. But for me... I started shooting these women in different light and kind of being on this side of showing them, showing the world like an elevated version of them that made the viewer look at them not necessarily as a sex object, but as like a force that's larger than life. And I think if I can keep flooding the internet with photos that make these women look like the magical beings they are. And I'm sorry, I keep saying women. I'm trying to be inclusive, but this is newer for me because we've been in this fight for women for so long that it's kind of just in me, but guys are here with us. Um, these men are also feeling the struggle of being a professional cheerleader. So um, mm -hmm. but if we can change the way that the world views these athletes, I think we can change their perception of the stereotypes mm -hmm. that have been on them for so long. If their photos look like the same totally. shot, the same way with the same eye for so long, everybody's going to think of them as the same. I think since I started really going around from team to team, I have been able to change the way that we view these people by changing the perspective behind the lens. And to me, I just want to keep, I want to keep changing the way that the world views them and keep putting more content out and just show the world how incredible these humans are and expose them a little bit more by breaking out of our secret society and really getting to utilize our platforms to showcase these amazing images that we have. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. We can't thank you enough for coming on the show and being our one of our guinea pigs in our the beginning beginning of our first season. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sorry if I was all over the place. It's just it's um, a lot that we have to talk about and yeah. I'm so impressed with you guys and what you're doing and keep up the good work and keep fighting the good fight. I think, I think this is going to be a really helpful um, palmcast for your listeners, not mine. I mean, all of them, your palmcast is, is it's great. You have a very fresh eye and I'm excited to hear the rest of the episodes that you have coming up. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe to Breaking Formation podcast on all listening platforms and follow us on Instagram at Breaking Formation podcast. And if you have any questions or want to reach out, please feel free to email us at breakingformation at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at BF Palmcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>